Welcome to the Reality of Herbal Therapy podcast. Yeah, but before we begin, we want to um, inform you of our disclaimer. Do not feel that by listening to this podcast that we have dispensed medical advice to you or have given you the ability to treat yourself or others with this information. We do not directly or indirectly dispense medical advice or prescribe the use of herbs as a form of treatment for sickness without medical approval. It's not the intent of this podcast to diagnose, diagnose or prescribe. The intent is only to offer herbal information from the herbalist's point of view, only for your consideration. In the event you use this information without your doctor's approval, you are prescribing for yourself, which is your God-given right. But the publisher and authors assume no responsibility. Today on our panel, we have Dr. James and Dr. James. We have Dr. Michael James and his son, Scott. So Dr. James is going to give a little introduction about our topic today. I don't know how to define the topic, but it's the basic philosophy of herbology that I've embraced over the years. Now, I've talked with other herbalists, and, and some of them embrace it quite a bit. Others have no clue what I'm talking about. So what I, what I want you to understand is that what we're going to talk about is basic philosophy of a natural herbalist. The other type of herbalists that don't embrace this philosophy are misled. Allopathic herbalists. And that's what we've coined them, as allopathic herbalists. I think Scott kind of added, gave them that name. Now... Understanding an allopathic herbalist, let, let us define that. That's a, an herbalist that's been, that in, embraces the medical philosophy. Like, for instance, I'm going to use lobelia because I need that remedy and I'm going to dose it according to what I feel I need to dose it chemically. Uh, or perhaps, uh, I'm going to use uh, valerian root, but I'm going to I'm going to dose it according to what we know about valium. And they're often really afraid of herbs. Yes, they are. They're terribly. Afraid <laughs> I mean, of they're herbalists, yet they're afraid of herbs. So they've been their information's basically, in my opinion, has been bastardized by the medical industry because they embrace the paradigm of the chemicals. We're giving we're giving valerian root because we're trying to dose valium, which is absolutely poor medicine. It's just wrong. Mm -hmm. So what we want you to understand is that's an allopathic herbalist. What we believe in and what we strive to, to work with is working as a natural therapist and using nature. We do not care about the remedy in the plant. Now, when I say the remedy in the plant, I'm saying the chemical in the plant. The, the, the chemical that the pharmaceutical industry has decided is the, the thing to, to, to concentrate. And, and that's where them. a lot of standardized extracts come from. They standardize it because they want a, stand, a specific amount of a certain element in the herb. And that's not herbology. That's pharmacology 50 years ago or so. That's, or, or that, perhaps a little or more. Or perhaps longer. That's when, that's how farm, <laughs> that's how the allopathics started. They started isolating what they thought was the best and then taking, getting rid of everything else. Now, there's nothing wrong with, with realizing a plant has 
has medicinal properties and dosing the plant mm -hmm. and giving the plant. But when you take that remedy inside and you concentrate it, you make it toxic. Mm -hmm. And we give the whole the whole plant. What makes me there's certain what makes me upset is there's certain herbalist herbal books that I would never touch. Well, the I ones... would never use them. If I read through there and they have all these counterindications of, oh, um, if you take, you shouldn't take valerian when you're pregnant, or um, you shouldn't take this when you're pregnant, you shouldn't take that when you're pregnant, you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't take it when this or that. There's so many counterindications. How would you ever use an herb? And they say that um, uh, comfrey, comfrey is one of the most wonderful plants. Very soothing and wonderful for your lungs, and it is a very mild plant that doesn't cause any problems yet. Even in herbal books by written by herbalists, it says that it can damage your liver, so be careful with it and don't take it internally. Well, what they're telling you is the truth, but it's it's a legal truth. Uh, I've I've had people say, "Well, I proved in court that you can do this and do that." Well, just because you proved it in court doesn't mean it's reality. Now. Granted, comfrey does have a chemical in it that will damage livers. Does it? As a plant, we've debunked that many, many times. In fact, don't we have a place on our webpage that debunked comfrey? I have a um, a website that he goes through and he takes the the survey, the literature that they had done or whatever their um, tests that so they had done on comfrey, and he explains how it's. Ridiculous. It's an individual element. It's the same as if you separate hydrogen and drink it. It's going to kill you. But if you mix hydrogen properly with oxygen, you can drink it. Well, we'll put this in the show notes where you can find this information about comfrey root. There's no reason for us to rewrite this. We just give you the web pages that we found the information on. He did a wonderful, wonderful job. Now, back to this subject. Is that if we take the remedy that, that comfrey root well, the remedy or the the portion of the plant that damages livers, we have to realize that when it's combined with the rest of the plant, it cleanses the liver, it purifies the liver. But if you take just that element out, it can do that. So, does comfrey root have a, a chemical in it that will damage livers? Yes. Does it? No, it does not. So, what we're looking for is not remedies. We are looking for plants that have been used for decades and as well centuries successfully. So we have we have herbalists that centuries ago they proved our pharmacology, meaning they proved that this plant was was good, that it was wholesome, that it was not dangerous. And I would recommend if you're going to look um, for herbs and. On the internet, there's so much information. It's easy to find a lot of bad information. I would buy the Little Herbal Encyclopedia. I love the Little Herbal Encyclopedia. It has a really uh, good amount of information, and it has uh, long explanations of a lot of the different herbs, and he talks very good about the herbs. He's a true herbalist that loves herbs. And and Jethro Klaus's Back to Eden. Yes. Yeah. That's a good book. Oh. And those are better reference books than just searching all over the internet because there's so much... Bad information well, out there. I had a beautiful book, uh, an herbal book. It was just made fantastically. And and I realized real quick, just by looking at the outside, that it was it was put together by pharmacists and medical doctors 
and uh, uh, people like that. So I, I just trusted it. And basically what it showed in there. Now, there are counterindications. When you're pregnant, there are things you need to use judgment with. But in general, this whole book gave counterindications on absolutely every plant that they presented. And, the, and what they presented was the chemical mistakes, meaning let's say they took cinnamon and they decided that they were going to find the remedy in cinnamon. And this research has already been done. And the counterindications they found were, were the mistakes that they were trying to make cinnamon, take cinnamon and make it into a, a, pharma, a, 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 a drug. And they failed miserably. They found out that it, that hurt the kidneys or it, it caused a problem with the body. And that information's out there on practically every plant there is because they have looked at every, every wholesome herb that herbalists have ever used over any time period. And they've tried to concentrate the remedy and they failed miserably and they've made it toxic. So then they apply that same counterindication to the overall plant instead of the drug that they tried to create. And that's where all that information of counterindications came from. You know, all that, you look at that information, it wasn't a, a little, little herbalist who was working out in the sticks uh, trying to help his community that gave that information. It was pharmacology trying to turn a, a plant into a drug. That's where they got those counterindications. And tell us it was kind of a hot spot for us. <laughs> so he talked about that a lot, but that's one aspect of a lot of herbalists. They look at um, the medical side of things and read books that were written by medical doctors and all of this medical research. But you can rely on an herb that's been used for centuries and centuries and centuries and has been successfully used with no problems. It doesn't all of a sudden create problems well, <laughs> in this day when it hasn't for centuries. They find new things that wholesome herbs do because they're trying to pull it apart and, and segment it into just a few chemicals so that they can dose it chemically. Yep. And then there's the other side of it, which is actually figuring out what's wrong with the individual and how to, to work with them and their ailments. And the way that the allopathic physicians do it, the medical doctors do it, is they, they name it. They have to have some disease name. Um, there's millions. <laughs> Oh, I, there's billions of names um, for all kinds of different elements you could have. And a lot of, even just as individuals, even if you're not a practitioner or whatever, you start to think, oh, I feel your guts are hurting or something like that, and you want to figure out what's wrong with you. That's so a real you start technical to, term, your guts. You're, That's <laughs> an herbal term. Your belly is hurting or whatever, so you're looking around to find out what's wrong with you and a name for what's wrong with your illness. But as in the natural modality in the way that we think, it's not... We don't have to name it to be able to take care of it. Oftentimes I'll have somebody come in and they, they tell me some name of their disease and um, then they tell me, well, it affects the nerve in your eye. I was like, okay. We can treat that. We can treat that. I had no clue what your name was, but it affects the nerve in your eye, so we give them Nerquilizer and we give them Eyebrite because Eyebrite will heal anything that's wrong with the eye and Nerquilizer will take care of the, the neurological system. So, so what we recommend... Uh, to, to clerks and health food stores and, and individuals is that instead of trying to put a name on it, try to figure out how does it affect you. Does it affect your digestive tract? 
Does it affect your nerves? Does it affect uh, your vision? What does it affect in your body? And then there's herbs that will help nourish and feed and put back into the system vitamins and minerals in your eyes or your lungs or any part of your body. So instead of looking for a name of what you have, look for what how it affects your body. And then feed and nourish those systems. We treat systems in herbology. Yes, we treat, we strengthen and nourish systems. We don't treat diseases. Diseases go away when you nourish the body. We have a mechanism inside of us that was created by the Creator. I'm sorry if you don't believe in the Creator, but I do. So that's what you're going to get. We were created by somebody that knew exactly what he was doing, or she. And when we, he, they put together our body, they put together the systems necessary to heal it, nourish it, and keep it healthy. And it comes down to the fact that we feed and nourish systems, and everything else goes away. Because when you feed and nourish it properly, there are no uh, none of those diseases or anything else. They're just a sign of a malfunction in one of the systems. So we don't treat diseases, we treat and nourish systems. Systems of the body. So yeah. we treat and nourish the body with vitamins and minerals and, and nutrients that are in plants that haven't even been isolated. You know, we, we, we rely upon the chemical industry for health. When in reality, some of the things that they give us are so concentrated, it would never be found in our body in those concentrations. For instance, uh, glutamate is an absolutely wonderful amino acid. Sea Tangles has uh, glutamate in it, and that was a, a seaweed that would wash up on the shores uh, of islands, and they discovered that if they chopped it up and put it in food, that it made the food taste better. I can't imagine anything being washed out of the ocean somebody want to eat, but, you know, they are good and tasty. And it, and it made food taste better. So then they decided, wow, that's pretty cool. So then somebody decided they were going to take it apart and find out what was the remedy. Well, the remedy was glutamate. So then they they eventually made monosodium glutamate, which was a concentration of the remedy. And it is some of the most toxic chemicals there is. But it can, it's natural. It's a... It's a, a an amino acid, but if it's concentrated, it becomes very, very toxic. Uh, I think we have a, a podcast on excitotoxins. Listen to that. It'll give you some information. So concentrating the remedy, even if it's, it starts out wonderful, ends up being disastrous. So we, as herbalists, we don't, we don't do standardized extracts because it who decided that that was a chemical that needed to be concentrated? When in reality, all of it needs to be proper and balanced. And where do they get the chemical to concentrate it to that that's amount? A, that's they, a good stinking question. Get, I mean, do they have to be a pharmacist and pull it out and make your chemical and then put it back in? I mean, it's herbology. You should use the herbs and plants as they come. But with the systems, when you're talking about the systems, there's when we say systems of the body... A lot of people are probably just thinking, systems of the body? What? <laughs> what are the systems of the body? Um, the way we define them is there's the 
muscular, and skeletal system. And that involves all of your muscles and all of your joints, all of your ligaments, your um, everything, <laughs> your, your structure that holds you up, and that helps you to move. And then many of those. So we, yeah. We and whenever you have any problems with muscle aches or um, arthritis or uh, bone decay or anything like that, you treat that system, that whole system, not just the muscles or just the bones. You treat the whole system. And the main herbs that help to treat that system are arthrite. That helps with any of the joints. Tissuemin helps with um, any of the tissues throughout the whole body to help them to function properly. Um, then there's bladney that cleanses that system, not specific to the system, but it helps to cleanse um, that system. And MSM because it's a main nutrient for that system. We're going to have Jim go through this uh, so that we have all the systems. There's several systems and systems that we don't even think about that are that are important. So we're going <coughs> to read those systems if you would. I want him to read the systems and just the names of the herbs that go in them? No, or? not the herbs. Just go through the system and then we'll go back to this subject. Okay. So Scott already talked about the skeletal, particular, and the muscular. So that's the, the bones, the muscles, the joints, everything like that. So then the next one is the cardiovascular system. So you guys want to talk a little bit about cardiovascular? No, just go through them and then we'll okay. come back to them. Okay. So cardiovascular and then the lymphatic system, which is your lymphs, your... Basically, anything that cleans out your body. Um, your nervous system, which is your brain, spinal cord, and your nerves. And then the endocrine system, which is glands, hormones. And the integumentary system, which is the skin. Now, now you know why I handed you the book. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the respiratory system, which is lungs, the nasal cavity. Um, then you have your digestive system, which is the stomach, the pancreas, the liver the intestines, the colon, um, the urinary system, which is kidneys and bladder, and then there's the reproductive system, um, and they usually separate that one into male and female. So these systems are what we want you to kind of grasp, is that many many times an illness will affect the urinary tract system and the skin, or two or three different systems. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's terrible. Our body, our body goes, you know, deals with different systems. So, what you're trying to figure out, and we're trying to encourage you, is what feeds and nourishes and makes those systems healthy. Um, if you have a, a breakdown of the the lungs or the breakdown of the of the, the circulation, uh, that would be common, you know, uh, lungs and circulation. So it's gonna it, it's gonna perhaps affect more than one system, but what we're trying to say is to feed and nourish those systems. Don't go chasing down uh, uh, one little illness when in reality that's that's poor therapy. What you want to do is feed the entire system. And a lot of times, I mean, you said the lungs when having to break down the lungs and it affects the <laughs> circulation as well. Ammonia affects the circulation quite well, and it helps with the lungs, so you, you start with a <laughs> that effect. But what Dr. James was getting at and said very well is that there's just, um, sometimes our systems are so closely tied together 
that you don't just have to treat one system with certain ailments. Sometimes you have to treat multiple systems. You know, our diets, you know, we live in this world and we, we see food. When in reality, most of the food we see is not food. It's food products. It's, it's also a segment of food. And when you segment food and, and isolate certain elements of that food, like for instance, the wheat berry, when you take out, uh, take out the, the, the fiber and all you got is the gluten, then you develop problems with that because you've actually isolated a constituent of the food, which is doing the same thing that they do to drugs. They isolate an element. So when we eat food, think about it. Is this really food or is this a food product? Food products degrade and weaken the body. Real food doesn't. It, it feeds and supports and nourishes the body. The problem is, is that we're so used to eating hamburgers and hot dogs and, and white flour and whatever we can throw in the nuclear oven that we think that that's food. Just because it fills our belly up doesn't mean that it's good for us. Because most of the time, it, they've isolated one element of that food and that becomes toxic and also becomes dangerous. Like, why do you think there's so much gluten intolerance? It's because everybody's eating gluten. Everybody's eating gluten. Nobody's eating any of the fiber or the bran or the wheat germ or any of that kind of stuff, which is so terribly important. In fact, the wheat germ, is, I think, is one of the major reasons why we have such a high uh, incident of infertility. Or the lack of wheat germ. is That's yeah. more specifically <laughs> what I meant. The lack of wheat germ, because wheat germ has all of those B vitamins in it. It has so many oils that are essential. It's um, the reproductive uh, portion of the the plant that actually helps to nourish our reproductive systems. You know, and I had uh, Jim mention an individual that's touting no oil in the diet. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. When they first came out with that fat-free diet, I, I told Veronica, I said, we're going to have some real problems, and we have. You know, our brain's 80% oil. Where the heck does the oil get get its oil change if it doesn't get oil in the diet? Yeah, I was listening to a guy that was doing a a podcast. He was doing a a seminar or whatever and talking about how the ultimate junk food was oil because it does nothing for you. All it does is give you a whole bunch of calories. You might as well just put ice cream on your salad than olive oil because it's better for you. Man, I want to listen to that guy. It frustrated me because oils are essential. I mean, um, in the breakdown of, uh, and I mean the transport transport of vitamins through our system, our our whole neurological system is coated in fat to make sure it doesn't short out. It's the myelin sheath. It's like the wiring in your house has plastic over it so the two wires don't touch. And it's coated to protect itself. And same with every nerve that runs through our body. And it's massive the amount of fat that it takes just to cover our neurological system. And, and if they find some new nutrient that is uh, really important, have you noticed it's an oil? <laughs> Omega-3s and, 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 and flaxseed oil and, and all that kind of stuff, uh, you, you pay attention. It's generally oil. 
they find some magical thing in, when in reality, we need to have fats and oils in our diets. Now, I'm not saying margarine, and I'm not saying Crisco, and I'm not saying that kind of stuff. I'm saying good oils. Now, we've kind of got off the subject, but oil's critical. Now, the philosophy that I want to get across is that we're not looking for illness. We're looking for health. We're looking for health. And health requires us to eat our vegetables and eat our oil and eat our... Now, you're not eating a lot of oil or grease. You don't, you don't pick up a stick of grease and start eating it, but foods that naturally have those oils need to accompany the food. To isolate grease from a food is just as bad as isolating bran and, and wheat germ from whole grain. Now, there's... There's been a big thing about eating lean meat and other stuff and getting the fat off of meats. To some degree, that's good if the animal's not healthy. But if you had a healthy animal that isn't going to have any of the toxins in their fat, it's good to have the fat that accompanies it. But it's also good to have that bone that accompanies the meat. Um, the stuff that's inside of the bone, making a bone broth and other stuff like that is actually really important if you're going to eat a lot of meat because it has a lot of the minerals and stuff that you need. To actually break it down. And just eating just the muscle of an animal, you're missing all of the other stuff that actually works synergistically to be able to utilize that um, meat better in your body. Um, why I say that a healthy animal you wouldn't have to take off the fat is because in mammals, if there's extra toxins or things that our body needs to get rid of but isn't, it'll store it in fat. And so if you have animals that aren't being taken care of really well or getting a lot of antibiotics or other stuff you don't want in their system, it's stored in the fat. So I can see to some degree getting lean if you aren't don't know what kind of animal you're eating. Uh, well, we no longer take responsibility for raising our own animals and killing them ourselves. We'd eat a lot less meat if we did. And I've had people just freak out that, I've got chickens, and I'm going to kill them, and then I'm going to eat them. Right. <laughs> I We've think gotten so far away from it, our food chain. That yeah, it's, it's and so I think it's mean, oh, the, the it's so cute. Yeah, and you should have the heartache every time you eat chicken. You should have to chop off that chicken's head and have the heartache of having to take the animal's life and then have the work of dealing with it to eat that meat. And if we did... We'd be eating far less meat in America. We're so separate from it that we can go and pick up a chicken breast off of um, a shelf and use it and have no thought of how much we're using. Or where it came from. Yeah, it used to be you could... I know when I butcher a chicken, it doesn't only last me one meal. But when I bought a chicken in the past, before I had my chickens, my wife and I could eat one whole chicken all by ourselves. But when you butcher a chicken, I guarantee you, you don't waste and use the whole chicken all at once. Well, how does that how does that deal with the philosophy of herbology? <laughs> I think it has to do with the using um, food and understanding what you put in your mouth, feeding your body, feeding properly. your body properly, and understanding it. I mean, I'm understanding where your food comes from, and actually having the hand and taking care of your food actually makes a big difference with um, how you eat. I would much rather have an individual take a handful of herbs, 
the handful of vitamins. Now, granted, we need vitamins, but the sources that those vitamins come from are no longer clean. And herbs have the vitamins in them. Uh, we're designed, actually, to get our vitamins from our foods, not from a pill. Well, it's, it's <laughs> like, like I tell people all the time, calcium carbonate is, a, is called marble. These beautiful buildings that are made out of rock, that's marble. Okay, but the way we get it in our body is that we eat a plant that has absorbed calcium carbonate into its tissue, and then we are able to utilize it. So the missing element, the missing thing of nutrients are are, are plants. Mm -hmm. And the plants have so many different nutrients, like the vitamin that we have currently, you have to take five pills to get all the vitamins you need, but... It's made out of actual plants. It's not isolated. It's not anything else. It has acerola cherries ground up in there. It has uh, um, paprika. It has several other things that are really important that have a lot of vitamins that just naturally are in herbs without having to separate or take apart the herb or concentrate or anything. It's just the herb. And yes, it is food, and you could eat it, but you'd have to be <laughs> you have to be very. Um, you have to watch very closely to use the right herbs and stuff. And a lot of herbs taste yucky. Blech. That's why they're in capsules. Believe me, that's why they're in capsules. We uh, we are what we consume. And many times we're to the point where children have some real serious illnesses. It's because their parents' bodies are deplete. Uh, and then they come to the world deplete. So it's... Uh, it's nutrients that we're missing. So when you're not feeling well, you need to look at your diet. And uh, we mentioned the systems, and we started talking about one of them. If you want to look at the systems a little bit better and um, get a little better understanding of them, there's Dr. James's book, The Reality of Herbal Therapy, that has all of those systems and it has herbs that go along with the systems. Um, I don't know, do we have that online as well, Jim? the systems okay so you're gonna have to get the book <laughs> get the it's well worth getting the book as well because the book doesn't only have um the systems in it but it talks a lot about the way that dr james is uh dr james treats people and works with people um it also has a full page of literature on all of the formulas that we have it has a section that um, does also go into elements and um, different herbs that we commonly use for those different elements. It has a section of uh, different loose herbs that you can keep in your house, 20 different herbs, and how to make teas out of them and use them. And There's a lot of really good information in that book. I would highly recommend it. And especially you, uh, those of you that aren't familiar with our therapy or haven't used our herbs, it's a really good place to start because you can get it, you can read over it, you can get a lot of good information and um, start a little bit educated in um, using our formulas. And it's natural therapy. It's not allopathic training. And why I think of it is that it's the book that helps you determine which other herbal books you'll bring in um, because it dispels a lot of myths. That's why it's called the reality of herbal therapy because it's dispelling a lot of myths about herbology. And if you read Dr. James's book and become familiar with it, then you can read other books, even if they have junk information, you can find little treasures out of even books that were written by medical doctors and other things like that 
but it gives you a good a good base and a standpoint of where you need to come from because there's so much information on the internet there's so much information in books the reality of herbal therapy gives you a basis to stand on so you aren't pushed here and there and everywhere about all of the herbs you know where um where to stand and what to actually be looking for um and what <laughs> is just a myth out there it puts your attitude toward um treating the body and nourishing the system um the medical profession are fine they treat illnesses we treat uh people to be healthy so uh it's been great being with you we hope you got a little glimmer of uh, the difference between allopathic and natural therapies uh just because they're herbalists doesn't mean they're natural therapies or just because they're a naturopath or <laughs> and actually naturopaths are almost more scary sometimes it's been good being with you